another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This will be our last episode of 2019. I'm recording this on Wednesday, December 18th of 2019, and it corresponds to episode number 113 of our newsletter, which, as always, you can find at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. Um, we've got a few things to discuss in this uh, episode, although nothing really crazy has, uh, has happened, which is often the case in holiday times. Um, So in terms of algorithm updates, it's possible that Google uh, made some significant changes around December 11th of 2019. At this point, though, it's really, really hard to assess uh, because so many sites have seasonal changes at this time. I know Barry Schwartz had a roundup uh, post on Search Engine Roundtable uh, talking about um, all of the different chatter in uh, forums, SEO forums, in regards to an update happening. And it does seem like the tools like the MozCast and the uh, SEMrush sensor are showing some increases on December 11th. Um, I couldn't really make any ties amongst uh, clients that are seeing changes that really couldn't be explained by seasonality. So at this point, we're not going to call this a significant update. But as always, we'll be keeping an eye on things. And over the next few months, um, if there is really obvious evidence that something significant changed around December 11th, then we'll start investigating it and see if we can figure out what's happening. Um, I thought I would comment on this really interesting post uh, by Jason Barnard on... um, Gosh, was this on Search Engine Land? I believe it was on Search Engine Land. Uh, and he talked about an update to the knowledge graph that appear, appeared to start in the summer, actually, of 2019. I wrote extensively about my thoughts on this in newsletter. Uh, and I'll just briefly say that it looks like, according to Jason, um, some things have changed in terms of how many entries there are in the knowledge graph, and also the salience scores of these entries. So when you look at the knowledge graph, there's several different tools that you can use to query Google's knowledge graph using their API. And a lot of people don't realize you don't actually have to be a paid member of this API, um, you know, provided you're not doing a crazy number of queries. But if you just want to look up one of your clients, uh, you can use, and in our newsletter, we've linked to the tool that um, Jason uses and uh, there are other options as well. Um, and what you can do is you can put in this name. So I put in a name for Barry Schwartz. Barry Schwartz, obviously, we know him as a blogger who writes on SEO topics. Uh, but there are some more famous Barry Schwartzes in the world. And if you do a search on the knowledge graph for Barry Sch- Schwartz, you'll see that um, the first person who appears is somebody who's known as a businessman uh, who apparently buys and sells thoroughbred horses. Um, not the same Barry Schwartz that we know. Uh, But this Barry Schwartz has a very high salience score. And a salience score means that uh, when somebody searches for Barry Schwartz, the knowledge graph is fairly certain that you're talking about this Barry Schwartz. Um, And so does this even really matter? Uh, What Jason's noting is that at some point in, I believe he said July of 2019, a lot of people's salience scores went up and a lot of brands that previously weren't listed in the knowledge graph are now listed. And this to me is a really big deal. 
because the knowledge graph is very connected to entities. And entities are, every business is an entity, you are an entity, your products are entities, um, and some entities are more important than other entities. Uh, and so we want to do everything that we can to establish to Google and to other search engines as well that our businesses truly are legitimate entities. And um, to get to the point where people say, oh, yeah, yeah, when you're talking about this name, you mean this brand. Everybody knows this brand, that type of thing. If you're doing SEO or if you run a business that is not a household name, it's getting harder and harder to rank for things now. We actually just did a site quality review um, uh, just recently for someone who was following all of our advice over the years. And when we did the review, really they were doing everything that they should be doing. Um, but what we noticed is that by far they weren't as authoritative uh, as the other brands. And in the past, you could take really good SEO and you could make, you know, I could decide to create a blog um, on a certain topic. And even if I wasn't well known on this topic, if I had good SEO, if I knew where to get links, I could make that blog rank well. And I saw somebody tweet today, my apologies that I didn't, uh, I didn't copy it and get the person's name, but somebody tweeted saying, you know, almost every search result now is just littered with big brands. And if you are a small blogger, it's very, very hard to rank well for uh, for queries. And this is connected to, in my opinion, Google's understanding of entities, um, and they put a lot more trust in a site that is authoritative. We've talked about this in medicine. So if you are trying to compete against the Mayo Clinic, you may have the best article that's out there on um, a medical condition. But even if it's better than Mayo Clinic's article, Mayo Clinic has such a recognizable brand authority that um, they are going to outrank you for the most case, uh, for the most part. So I know this is a little bit frustrating, um, and I don't know exactly how we use this information about the salient scores changing in the knowledge graph, but this is something that we should be paying attention to. There are things that you can do to improve your salient score. Now, whether or not this will actually improve your ranking is hard to say. Uh, in some cases, yes. So there are things where, um, you know, if it's possible for you to get a Wikipedia page, then you should be doing this. Uh, if it's possible for, um, you know, you should fill out all of the known databases. So Crunchbase, if appropriate, IMDB. Um, there's many, many different places where you expect to see businesses listed. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not talking about going out and making crazy citations like we used to do for local SEO, right? We would find as many sources as we can to get us listed in this directory. Rather, what we want to do is figure out uh, where does Google expect to see us um, in terms of where would they expect to see us if we truly were a massive brand. Uh, and it can be hard to get into these places, but I really think that this contributes in a great way to a site's EAT. Um, and it makes sense, right? Uh, the A in EAT stands for authoritativeness. And I keep talking about this white paper that Google put out, uh, gosh, it's almost a year ago now, I believe it was February of this year, um, where they they talk about how they fight disinformation. And there is loads of stuff on there on authoritativeness. They say repeatedly that 
we are trying to surface the most authoritative website uh, for these searches, especially if the search is your money or your life. So um, what do we do with this information? Not a whole lot at this point. It doesn't really change what we're doing, but I really would urge you to read the article that Jason wrote. It's a long one, uh, but I really, really enjoyed it, and I learned a lot from it as well. Um, let's see what we can, uh, what else we can talk about here. A little bit more about Bert. Uh, so Bert, we revealed last week, John Mueller told us that Bert is not only being used to understand a user's query, but Google also can use it to understand the content on your pages. And this is important. Um, as Bert has rolled out to many different languages now, um, Google has confirmed that it's still uh, affecting about 10% of searches that people do worldwide. That's significant. Um, and really, uh, as we've been saying all along, you can't specifically optimize for BERT, uh, but one of the things you can do is continue to write content that is really, really good, um, content that would stand out above above the rest. And I know this is a challenging thing to do. I feel like I'm seeing this in a lot of news sites. I may have mentioned this in the last podcast, but I have been um, noticing a lot of searches recently that I'm just looking for information on somebody. And one of the websites that comes up is heavy.com. I don't know heavy.com, but I've noticed that when I read their articles, they're super in-depth and uh, they'll put things that I don't tend to find on other people's articles. And it's actually gotten to the point where when I see an article from heavy.com in my search results, I may actually click on that one, even if it's not ranked number one, because I know, oh, the last few times I read an article on this site, I actually got more information than I expected. Um, and so I'm not saying we need to all go out there and uh, write 4,000 word blog posts from now on. Um, but rather, uh, if we can find ways to answer people's questions in a better way than our competitors do, I do believe this is something that BERT will recognize uh, and that Google will reward for um, people who are looking for those specific answers as well. There was some interesting discussion uh, from John Mueller on how Google uses machine learning. Now, he was talking about uh, a situation where Google can use machine learning for canonicalization, meaning which version of a URL does Google consider the originating version, the main version. Um, and his quote was really, really interesting. I'm going to read it here because uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating. He says, so for example, we use machine learning for canonicalization. So what kind of what that kind of means is that we have all of these factors we talked about before and we give them individual weights. That's kind of the traditional way to do it. I'm going to stop right here. The way I understand this is, um, you know, and maybe this is a very simplified version, uh, but we know that Google has hundreds of ranking factors. Um, you know, we always say there's 200 plus, who knows, there's, there could be thousands of ranking factors. And Google can often change the weights on those factors. Um, so for example, maybe they've changed the weight recently in how important authority is, uh, how important authoritativeness is. Uh, and so they'll tweak that dial to say, well, yeah, yeah, in searches like this, uh, we're going to prefer sites that have more authority in our algorithms. Um, and so those are the weights that can be changed. So going back to John Mueller's quote, he says, and then we give them individual weights. That's the traditional way to do it. 
And we say, well, rel canonical has this much weight, and redirect has this much weight, and internal linking has this much weight. And the traditional approach would be to say, well, we'll just make up those weights and those numbers and see if it works out. And we see if we see that things don't work out, we tweak those numbers a little bit. I'll interject here and say that's what I think a lot of the mini algorithm updates are, is Google just tweaking and going, well, you know, we weighted this heavily and we're seeing that if we weighted in this way, maybe sites, uh, different sites will rank better and maybe the search results will be better. Um, and so he goes on to say with machine learning, we can essentially do, what we can essentially do is say, well, this is the outcome we want to have achieved and machine learning algorithms should figure out these weights on their own. And I actually was talking to my husband uh, the other night about how you could use this in sports. Uh, you know, and I'm not a an expert on analytics in sports, um, but I think we're just scratching the surface. And I bet you there are some teams that are excelling in um, uh, professional sports using machine learning uh, in order to figure out what weights to measure. So imagine you're using analytics um, in hockey and you determine that, oh, whenever we play uh, this particular team, if this guy's out on the ice, we tend to do better when we have our top defensemen out there or something like that. Um, the problem is that those choices have to be figured out by a human. The choices, you know, a human has to decide what are the things we're going to measure. And with machine learning, you can choose, uh, the machine can choose what's important. The sh machine might figure out that, oh, you know, every time Austin Matthews is on the ice um, and we're playing the Leafs, uh, we've noticed now that 90% um, of the time he tends to shoot from this angle. Or if we don't have two defensemen on him, you know, this is going to happen. Um, and so uh, machine learning can find what's important to measure and uh, adjust weights according to that. Now, I may have just completely butchered what machine learning is, but this is kind of how I understand it in my, uh, in my brain. Um, so Google is saying here, or John is saying, that Google can use machine learning to figure out, uh, you know, how much importance to put in a particular canonical link, um, how uh, much weight to give to certain factors. Um, now, it's important to know that uh, Google has denied that they use machine learning in in terms of the quality raters. Um, you know, people have said, oh, they might gather all of this data from thousands of quality raters and then use that uh, to figure out what to change in search. Um, and it's not really used that way. So um, Danny Sullivan has told us that they don't use machine learning in that way. So I just thought this was really interesting um, and it will make it harder and harder to game SEO because I think there are SEOs out there, particularly black hat SEOs that have figured out, um, you know, oh, this particular type of link that I can make is getting undetected by Google. And it's helping me uh, improve my rankings. Um, and then as machine le learning kind of gets better, it'll make it so that the tricks and the loopholes and the, the things that make your site appear better than it actually is are going to be less and less effective. So what do we do with this? Um, you know, nothing has changed in our advice. Uh, create great content. Um, make sure your site is technically sound. Pay close attention to everything that's in the quality raters guidelines because these guidelines 
headlines are essentially Google telling us this is what we value as quality. And although we don't know exactly how Google meets that algorithmically, you know, how Google might say to a quality rater, hey, can you look at the reputation of this website? Can you determine, you know, this and that? Um, whereas an algorithm uh, has to look at a certain bunch of things. And so I think in the future, the machine learning algorithms could potentially uh, determine that, okay, for now we're using this, this, and this to measure reputation, but they can find new things to use as measures. Um, and again, it doesn't change how we do SEO uh, because our goals should always be to be making our clients uh, have the best and most helpful websites uh, that work the best for users as well. Um, more on machine learning. Uh, Google has put out a blog post to tell us that they're using machine learning in Google News Stories. Um, the blog post that Google put out says, now we're using the latest in machine learning to bring uh, this approach to top stories in Google search, making it easier for people to dive into the most useful, timely articles available. Um, and what they say is that they've developed a new story understanding technology to map the people, places, and things involved in a news story and then draw connections between them. So that's really interesting, right? Uh, and again, it doesn't really change much of what we do, but it makes it so that um, um, Google may find other ways to surface truly spectacular content. Something that we're seeing in a lot of our site reviews um, uh, lately is that we have sites that are generally technically sound um, that are suffering in terms of uh, quality updates. And often what we find is that their sites have so many articles that are essentially rewriting the same thing that everybody else has already written. And when we bring this to site owners, I mean, a lot of site owners are like, all right, tell me how to make better ones, you know, and we talk about doing that, but it's really hard. And then a lot of other site owners are like, no, no, my articles are better because of this and this. Um, sometimes I think we need to have, uh, it's very hard to have a critical look at your own site and uh, determine, you know, this article that I wrote on this topic, is it really the best of its kind? Or am I trying to get it to rank well just based on getting a couple of links to it? Uh, and so um, again, it all comes down to producing the best stuff that you can. Um, a little note about Google News as well. If you use site searches on Google News, they're currently not working. So if you go to Google News and search for site colon, you know, mariehaines.com, you're going to find no results. You'll find no results for Wall Street Journal, you know, WSJ.com or anything like that. You can still search for those individuals um, in Google News and you can still do site colon searches on uh, organic search and then click on the news tab, which is very similar. But we do do a few searches on Google News that are site colon searches that we've had to modify a little bit. Apparently, this is going to be fixed at some point in 2020. So, uh, so that's a good thing. I have to say, and I can't remember who it was. We tweet. We have stuff in newsletter on uh, your best tips for SEO in 2020. I'm sure this is the oldest joke for this year, but this is the first time I heard it. Somebody said. I can't predict what's happening. I don't have 2020 vision. Uh, it's kind of lame, right? But I, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. Um, let's see what else we can talk about here. We had another thing we did on Twitter. 
was tweet out, what are your tips for avoiding doorway pages? Uh, so we see this a lot that if you have a website that has hundreds uh, or a business that has hundreds of different locations and you have the same page for each of those locations, but you've just swapped out a few of the details, those are considered doorway pages by Google. And there are many things you can do to make those pages better. The problem is none of those things are really easy to do on a large scale. So I'm not going to read through all of these in podcast. Again, episode number 113, you can find, we've included a whole bunch of tweets from the amazing SEO community on uh, ways that you can deal with doorway pages. uh, And I think you'll find that quite interesting. Another thing we've summarized in newsletter is this great um, uh, video of Aleda Solis sitting down with the Google Webmaster Trends Analysts. And uh, she's got some really good discussion. We've um, gone through and picked out what we think are the most interesting responses from Google. I thought I would pick a, a couple here to talk about in podcast. Um, somebody, uh, okay, so Aleda asked, what's the question that nobody asks you and you wish, wish people would ask? And Martin Split said, um, you know, they rarely get asked how to make content better for your users. And his response was to do so right for humans, have descriptive text, use short sentences, and explain concepts. This might seem like just a longer way to say, create great content. But actually, I think this is significant, especially the part where he says, use short sentences. I think that makes it easier for Google to understand. And we actually did a site review uh, just this week where I was looking at their blog post as compared to a competitor who's currently ranking well. And their uh, content was not divided up well with H tags. And even when they did, they would have something like, Um, I'm going to make this up, but is such and such effective for weight loss? That would be their, say their H2 tag, one of their H2 tags. And then the paragraph was like, you may think that this is great. Legend tells us that way back in olden times, this happened and blah, blah, blah. And then somebody discovered that this could help with weight loss. Now, if Google's looking at this, um, using a machine to parse this language, they're seeing the H tag, is this product effective for weight loss? So let's say me as a searcher, I have this question and I say, is this product effective for weight loss? And Google tries to grab the information from your page. They can't grab this whole like life history of the guy who discovered that maybe this thing helps him to lose weight. Um, Instead, it would be much, much better to to write that paragraph as H tag, does this product help with weight loss? And this product I would replace with the actual product name. And then the first couple of lines in your paragraph should very succinctly um, answer the question in a way that Google could feature as a featured snippet. And so I would say, rather than the big long story, I'd say something like, research has shown that this product is effective for weight loss. The following studies have proven that weight loss can happen with blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think you get my point is write short sentences, what Martin said, uh, because that's easier for Google to understand. And a lot of cases, it's easier easier for users to understand because users don't uh, like in the most part to just read every word. We like to skim. Um, Another thing that I thought was uh, in line with what I've talked about already in podcast here, um, the question was, what's the most common reason that you see when people ask you about lost rankings? Now, it was funny because Gary 
Ish had uh, probably a sarcastic response saying, well, the classic, uh, a site with a no-index directive on every page, that'll affect your rankings. Um, and John Mueller said, uh, you know, mediocre websites that don't offer anything different above the rest. And this really should be our ultimate goal is um, let's not just be the same as everybody else. One of the best ways you can create content that is better than what's already out there is to find ways to incorporate user-generated content. Comments are a huge part of the content on your website. You want to make sure that Google can uh, see your comments. Um, we have a, an article in Recommended Reading this week from Glenn Gabe that talking about comments. I, I would recommend everybody read it. Um, and uh, that's one way to get user-generated content. Wherever possible, you could encourage users to submit images, to submit videos, um, frequently asked questions. You really want to get people engaged in uh, telling you, hey, this blog post was great, but you didn't tell me anything about this and then you can add that to your blog post. So um, I think this really is going to be the theme for 2020 and beyond is uh, producing content that truly is better than what's already out there. Um, let's see what else. So that video uh, with Aleda and the, the Google Web Spam or Webmaster Trends team is really, really worth watching. I'd recommend it. Um, this was an interesting little thing. We have a bunch of stuff for local SEO that's in the newsletter. I'm just going to focus on this one. I thought it was interesting. Somebody posted a question on the local search forum. Um, saying that uh, I believe the, the situation was that they couldn't get one of their clients. A lot of their reviews were not um, uh, appearing, their Google My Business reviews. And it turns out that the client's name was Richard, often shortened to Dick, and uh, they got... Um, filtered for potentially adult language. So if you have reviews that um, have words in them that could potentially be seen as adult, um, somehow you want to encourage your readers uh, not to, to, to do that. Um, I don't know what happened in this particular case because really it's not fair that this person uh, is demoted because their name is similar to a word that Google does not want to rank. Um, so, you know, who knows, maybe Google is going to make some changes here. But uh, I thought it was interesting to mention because if you're having trouble getting something ranking, you can consider that maybe it's a safe search, search issue. Um, let's see here. I'm not going to make this a super long episode this week because we've actually got uh, not that much uh, new news to talk about, which is an interesting thing. It doesn't happen that often. I did want to mention that tomorrow is the day that our competition for Wix ends, and we're sort of uh, on the edge of our seats right here. Yesterday, we were two pages ahead. Um, in terms of the, the whole goal is that we need to rank for the term Wix SEO. And if we outrank, uh, our site is the WixSEOLovers.com. If we outrank the Wix SEO haters uh, for this term as of noon tomorrow um, from, I believe it's uh, New York City that they're going to check the results, um, then we win a whole bunch of money. And if we uh, don't, uh, we still win uh, a decent amount of money, but uh, it's a lot more if we win. Um, this competition has been really interesting. And one of the things that we've noticed is that it's really hard to rank a random website uh, that's not a 
a legitimate business. I mean, we have good advice on our website, but we're not a legitimate business with an offsite presence. You know, there's no business that's called the Wix SEO lovers. Um, and so uh, we've struggled to rank. And I think when I checked uh, last, we're on like page six or something. Um, and it's gone up and down. There was a study, I talked about it last week, that showed that once you get beyond page one in terms of rankings, there's so much variability uh, that it's even not you can't even figure out why there's variability. So just before I came on the podcast, I checked and we are one position below the Wix SEO haters. If you're a fan of um, this podcast of the newsletter, uh, we would love for you to help us out if you can. Um, by far, the best thing that could be done is for you to link to our website. Um, and if you feel like uh, you want to do that, we've got a recent article on uh, a robots.txt experiment. I also published our thoughts on the contest itself um, just, uh, just this week. So if you want to link to us, that would be awesome. Um, the other thing uh, that we're doing as well is a little competition. If you are a newsletter subscriber, um, you can win a free paid subscription uh, for the next year. We're going to give away five of these. And what you need to do is go to the Wix SEO Lovers site. And we have... Um, several pictures of John Mueller hidden throughout the site. Uh, and so I, there's instructions in newsletter to get more details on how to do this. Um, you need to do it today, Wednesday, December 18th, uh, in order to enter for the contest. Um, and if you can find all these pictures of John Mueller, we'll, uh, there's a good chance that you'll win a free newsletter subscription. Um, so we want to get more people engaging with the site. We don't know if that's a ranking factor. I kind of feel like it is. Um, and it certainly can't hurt. Uh, and so so thank you uh, if you're going to help us uh, with this competition. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, I'll talk in, in more detail about uh, some of the aspects of the competition if people are interested. It, it's been really, really interesting. It's been interesting to watch how they made links, um, how we got links, and uh, what worked and what didn't work. So uh, I'm happy, regardless of the outcome, I'm, I'm happy that uh, we were chosen as one of these entries. Um, and as I mentioned before, this is our last podcast episode of 2019. It's also our last newsletter episode. Um, next week, our newsletter publishing day falls exactly on Christmas. Uh, and uh, the week after that, um, it, it just won't make sense for us to put out an episode. So January, I believe it's the 8th, is um, January 8th, 2020 is when the next episode comes out. And uh, we'll keep you up to date with anything that you may have missed uh, while we're on Christmas break. So for those of you who celebrate Christmas, I just want to say have a very great Merry Christmas. I'm going to be hanging out with family. I'm fortunate um, all of my family is in the Ottawa area. So we just go from house to house and eat a whole bunch of food. And we'll probably play a lot of Fortnite as well. I won another solo game last night. So I'm, I'm getting not bad at the game. So uh, hopefully um, you have a great, fantastic holiday. And we'll talk to you in the new year. Wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.